Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Caps the podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with uh, Tom Pestaco. I think is filling a decanter uh, with uh, with bourbon or some such in the background. I hear I hear water. Um, and I'm here with Chris Francis, and I'm here with Eli Kim. We got a four man booth tonight, and it has been about three weeks, I think, since we podcasted. So it's been a minute. Lots of happenings with the Cavs in terms of the trade deadline and around the league, and course the most recent news the nba all-star weekend um give me your impression of nba all-star weekend in one word chris francis forgettable <laughs> nice what about you you like him uh in one word uh the mac <laughs> as in mac mcclung that was the best part mm-hmm. of the whole weekend i uh, agree and Unfortunately, it's about two minutes of content for about uh, for about uh, three days worth of buildup. So it was it was a bit of a, a bit anticlimactic. And then mine is a dud, especially when it comes to the actual game. Possibly the worst all played all star game I've ever seen, and that is really saying something because we've seen some stinkers, but. Uh, Tom, did you catch any of the festivities this weekend? I didn't know it was All-Star Weekend. <laughs> it sounds like I didn't miss much. Tom, Tom bringing in the casuals, Pestac. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm just a, I'm just a normie, normie guy now. But, you know, I never really liked All-Star games. I liked usually, you know, the dunk contest and the three-point contest. Um, I can't, the only, the only all-star games I remember getting really into were when, you know, there was this LeBron v. Kobe civil war among NBA fans, but they never really squared off that much. Um, only twice in the regular season and then they never played in the playoffs. And so the all-star game was like an opportunity for Kobe and LeBron fans to pick apart the uh the enemy's game um and i do you remember the all-star game where lebron refused to shoot at the end of an all-star game and kobe like lost his mind about it i do remember that and i wait what what was this yeah so i don't know if you remember way back but you know lebron would take shots from a lot of media and fans because he would pass up a lot of last second shots there was the infamous oh one right the danielle marshall danielle marshall yeah, that that yeah, was the most yeah. that was the most oft referred example but um you know of course kobe had this sort of like fearless uh brand where he would just you know 
uh, shamelessly fire away. And so to the the diehard LeBron apostle that I was, that was a sign of uh, one of Kobe's weaknesses. And, you know, but just depending on how you viewed it. And there was an all-star game. I think it was when LeBron, I think that was during his Heatles years, where he passed up a last-second shot in the all-star game. Like, a game yep. that doesn't really matter. And it was and, also and, blocked twice by Kobe that game. And Kobe... Like when he noticed that happened, he made he, his eyes got real big, and I think he went over to talk to LeBron and was kind of, kind of laughing like, "Are you for real, man?" Like, and LeBron had to look on his face like, "Yeah, I probably should have taken that shot." Um, so those were those were interesting back when there were real. It felt like there were real rivalries in the NBA. Maybe there still are. I'm just not plugged in enough, but it just doesn't seem like there's enough there's enough bad blood between players. <laughs> And therefore, fans. So, I mean, I haven't really watched an All-Star game in a long time, to be honest with you. Well, I, I would say part of it is format. They literally picked the teams before they suited up. And then they sat there for an hour with all the pregame festivities. I think we've got Post Malone and Jewel doing the national anthem. And it, it was <laughs> Post Malone and Jewel. No, no, no. OK, so Post Malone did a concert. He did like two songs, and then Jewel also did the national anthem. <laughs> okay, they I'm were they to, were separate I'm events. To, I'm trying to picture them together. <laughs> yeah, it was not. It was not a duet. Are you a big Jewel fan, Nate? No, um, I hate I uh, uh, Jewel hater from way back. She oh, didn't man. represent the real Alaska. She was <laughs> she 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 looked down on it. It was like when LeBron left uh, Ohio. Oh, I was can when Jewel that. Jewel left that. Alaska. All right. But anyway, uh, Screw one... her. <laughs> there you whoa, go. Whoa, whoa! This slander has gone too far with Jewel. She was smoking. I'm sorry. She <laughs> she look she looks like she has an no, age today. I I oh, didn't I have res- a problem with her. I can respect that. I can respect that. I need to look up some pictures now of Jewel. <laughs> no, I had I had no problem with the All Star Game stuff. I'm just talking way back. You know, my old school hate. You know, <laughs> just... I've got a, I've got a mechanical keyboard. So you're gonna oh get my all lord! Of, all of this clackety clack. Oh my lord, Tom! Tom, Jewel, keeping it old school with the Victrola uh, typewriter. Oh, I, I I agree. She is looking <laughs> gorgeous. Well, yeah. she is a Utah native, um, so that is that. that is why she was asked to sing. But I'm gonna get back to the game here and the, the game, game that was forgettable that no one wants to talk about. Well, I want to talk about how bad it was. Okay. <laughs> it was 184 to 70, 175. And that included a fourth quarter Elam ending, which was pretty much perfunctory because I think the one team was up by like 16 and they had a target score where basically they had to score like another 16 points and they were all just threes, but literally no one was guarding anyone like somebody would drive for a basket and the only big at the basket would just start walking down the other end of the court. And I don't know if anybody saw, but there was highlights of an all-star game from 30 years ago uh, with, with, you know, and I think it was in Utah and it was uh, Jordan and Malone and Stockton and people were playing hard. Like, Mark Price broke up an alley-oop attempt. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it's is not, it was taken not casually. Like, obviously, they're, they're playing shell defense, but they're still actually playing defense. Like, this one, 
just guys started Joel Embiid started walking up the floor before a guy even completed a layup. It was just embarrassingly bad level of effort by everyone involved. You know, they have this score every uh, you're supposed to win the quarter for charity. Nobody looked like they gave a crap at all. What did Jason Tatum end up scoring? 55, the most ever in an all-star game. Which to me is total BS. Like it's a total BS record because no one was playing defense. And how many uh, Donovan Mitchell have? 45? 41. Is that 41. you? Is that you, Eli? You got the, the clicker going on there? What is that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> what are you playing? Uh, nothing. Ah, uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, that was that was my old man gripe. It was pretty unwatchable. Uh, did either you guys catch the Rising Stars game, which I heard was actually a decent format and kind of fun? I just I mean, watched I the Mobley game. Yeah, yeah. I, I half paid attention to it, honestly. Yeah, basically they split into a four-team tournament and played like real short games and I guess Mobley looked pretty good uh in the Mobley in the Mobley game. Uh had quite a few blocks, looked really solid and then you know it was pretty much checked out from that point uh for everybody. And then uh Dame Lillard won the three point contest, right? Yes sir. Yeah. Was there any any excitement there or was it strictly, you know, he was way out in front and there was nobody else that that was, that was that good. I mean, the only thing that was memorable was Halliburton finally looking like his shot looks like, which was awful. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, he'll figure it out. It's his first all-star game. A lot of nerves. Um, and then of course, Mac McClung went in the dunk contest. Was there anybody else even decent in the dunk contest? I thought yeah. Martin was okay. Yeah. yeah, Troy Murphy was good too. Yeah, I mean the, the weird Murphy, thing is, his name is we used to have top tier guys, and now we've got like you know late lottery rookies and literally G League guys in the slam dunk contest. It's a little bit weird. Um, yeah, I blame LeBron. He was the first oh yeah star dunker that for whatever reason refused to participate in the dunk contest, and I feel yeah. like that just started a trend that they may never recover from. Well, and that was the other uh, aspect of the All-Star game was the LeBron. It was the celebration of all things LeBron because he broke the scoring record. And it was a little ridiculous. And I don't know if you saw any of the upfronts where uh, Adam Silver was talking about the future of the league and all this virtual reality stuff. And it was just like. You know, fix the product on the floor. Like, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> like that nobody cares. And bring back Vine. Like you have well, the greatest technology ever. I could watch Delhi get crossed up for hours on end. <laughs> and you got rid of that technology. And you're talking about <laughs> VR. And while you're trying to capture the Chinese market for the last 30 years and that well, hasn't worked. You're right, Nate. Fix the dang product. Well, and not only that, you got NBA League Pass that, what, 15 years after it first came out is still unusably bad. Um, you've got the regional sports networks going bankrupt. Um, yeah, I saw the, that. Bally Sports is going to be no more? Probably, yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely a weird time in the NBA. I feel like a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff in flux. They need to fix the product on the floor. And... I think the biggest problem was the, you know, 
outrageous lack of shit giving in the final game. Like, why even put that product on the floor if that's what you're going to get? Like, do something different. You got to mix it up again. Maybe maybe they split into four pickup teams and do a little tournament or something. But it's it, it was a ridiculous display, I thought. So, so did any of you guys watch the Pro Bowl? Because didn't they change that up? Yeah, it's now the Pro Bowl games. Yeah. Was that yeah, that's what I thought they could do with ba- that's what I thought they could do with basketball is like why don't they like play knockout or like oh, knockout would be sweet. I love knockout. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like just do something like the all the black you know, all the blacktop games. Like it was like knockout twenty one, you know, have them do that kind of stuff, you know what I mean? Horse, yeah. Yeah. Horse. Yep, oh, yep. and and you know, the the naming rights on horse are just you know there there there's money to be made there to put the corporate name in in the in that so That'd yeah it's not like there's not got, alternatives they brought back like jordan and bird to play horse like that mcdonald's commercial <laughs> oh yeah that was, that was a goaded commercial yeah that was and i think the other issue uh obviously in utah not exactly the most high-profile NBA location. And then you've got, of course, LeBron didn't even show up for anything until somehow he had to watch his kids was the excuse that he had for not showing up till Sunday night. Um, you can't criticize a guy for just being a dad, Nate. Come on. Hey, it's not. I always say it all the time. It ain't babysitting when it's your kids. So right. how's Skip Bayless going to pile on LeBron for just being a loving dad? Oh, he will find a way. He will you know, find a way. <laughs> if there is if there is a man on the hater route, Mount Rushmore, it's it's Skip Skip Bayless. His uh his just invectives after he broke the scoring record were I, I actually kind of admired the commitment to the bit. You know what I mean? Like he was just what's his what's drinking his pure anti, hater. Rate. I mean the scoring record is very impressive. So what's his like anti scoring? Uh, Jordan was better, basically. You well, know, that's true, but that doesn't. I mean, yeah, the scoring exactly. record is still impressive as heck. Oh, I'm with you. Um, I, yeah, I mean, if you want to make the argument that LeBron's the goat, that is certainly a feather in his cap for that argument. But um, I don't want to get too far down into that rabbit hole because we have uh, other fish to fry here, and uh, we we've got some love hate things to talk about. So. With that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cats Podcast. I'm Nate Smith. I'm here with Eli Kim, Chris Francis, Tom Pestak. We got a four-man booth today uh, because it's been so long since we've done a podcast. We got a lot to talk about. First off, Kevin Love, no longer a Cavalier. Uh, I believe it was before the Philadelphia game last week, uh, which was Wednesday, I believe. Uh, he asked the team for a buyout, and as of like Friday or Saturday, they had completed that buyout, and he subsequently signed with the Miami Heat. And I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I want to kind of take Chris Francis's uh, take on the situation first. Wait, so he requested? Who said that he requested it before the Philly game? That is what I read in the Fedora article, and. Eli, did you read that as well? Yep, it was right before uh, the Philly game for all the reporting. So, but I don't think the players knew, um, but maybe they did. But 
it seems like that's when he formally requested it. And then they were going to give him, he wanted to, the Cavs wanted him to talk to Dan Gilbert and the powers that be over the all-star break. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. The, the, from what I've seen from my, from what I've seen about Fedor's most recent article, basically the spin is that, Love was uh, removed from the lineups and the rotation uh, to make way for Dean Wade. That is absolute bullshit. It's incredible that anybody thinks that's the reason. And I say that because I did a little research, you know, some hot Googling action. And I discovered that Kevin Love and Dean Wade together on the floor in the 111 minutes they played together this season are a plus 25. So they are awesome together. There's no reason why Dean Wade's minutes have to come at the sacrifice of Kevin Love. Secondly, if we go through Kevin Love, everybody says his defense is cooked. The Cavs' defensive rating when Kevin Love was on the floor in 41 games this season, 108.5. He was a plus four. The Cavs were a plus four. When he was on the court. So he was a positive uh, player on the court with elite def- The team was still playing elite defense in spite of his inability to play perimeter defense or whatever. And the second thing, or the third thing is, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the third thing is, ah, oh, I'm sorry, I lost it. So anyway. What's the third thing? Dang it. Yeah. I'm I'm, I'm lost in my tabs. (laughs) Oh, here it is. Okay. Finally found it. Okay. So I went, I went and looked at the five man lineups that love was involved in this season. Basically the, the lineup that stands out the most, that's the worst one that love was a part of Lamar Stevens was involved with. And for whatever the reason, JB tried this lineup 43 minutes. It's a top five love lineup that was a minus 19 on the court. 43 minutes on the court. Was that the Okoro and... Uh... No, no. It's, okay. just, it's, it's just Stevens tanking it. That's, that's all <laughs> it is. I'll go... So what lineups was JB not using? How about Kevin Love, Karis Levert, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, Dean Wade? Plus 70, 134 offensive rating, 64 defensive rating. How many minutes? 16. It's a top, uh, let's see, it's a top 10. Or, uh, hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10. Uh, it's a top 10, top 15 uh, love lineup. Uh, the second one right after that, Kevin Love, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro. Plus 35, 112 offensive rating, 77 defensive rating. I'll go to the top two Kevin Love uh, uh, lineups. Kevin Love, Chetty Osman, Karis LeBert, Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, plus six, 109, def- 109 offensive rating, 102 defensive rating. 40, that was 59 minutes. Kevin Love, Chetty Osman, Karis LeBert, Donovan Mitchell, Jared Allen, plus 7.5, 125 offensive rating, 117 defensive rating. So there's success all over the resume of Kevin Love this season. But I'm supposed to buy that he was having a bad stretch because of his thumb and therefore he was completely unplayable? No. And Which brings me to my second point. 
is JB. I don't get why we all have all of a sudden have all these JB defenders for a sub 500 career coach who is gifted one of the best players in the NBA in Donovan Mitchell. What is Rudy Gobert doing this year? What is Bojan Bojanovic doing this year? What is Jared? What is Jordan Clarkson doing this year? What is Mike Conley doing this year? Nothing. They're all doing nothing. You know why? Because they don't have Donovan Mitchell. So I, it drives me nuts that I see, oh, you know, these excuses, oh, JB this, JB that. Well, guess what? That's because he has one of the best lineups in the NBA, including one of the best players in the NBA, Donovan Mitchell. Okay, so there's my rant. Thank you for letting me get it off my chest. Oh, my gosh. Someone call the fire department. Yeah. He's on fire. <laughs> okay, and I'm going to just let Eli jump in because I have so much to say, but I, I don't. I, I feel like I'm along the lines of Chris, so I want, I want Eli be the voice of reason here, and then I'll tell you why you're wrong. Well, first of all, I'm not going to defend JB Bickerstaff because I think this is pretty much this whole situation is because of him. Those numbers don't lie, and I think if JB wanted to play love and find a way to make it work, he would have done it. But for some reason, and I this stat just blows my mind and. Speaking of Lamar Stevens, do you know which player on the Cavaliers have played the most minutes with the core four? It's not Lamar, but it's he's a very close second. Isaac Okoro. Uh, well, that's true. Besides Okoro, because he's currently starting. But Lamar Stevens has played seven times the minutes that Jetty Osmond did with this, that core four. And he's played about the same as Levert has which in my mind is just incredibly short-sighted. And um, I got into a little bit of a Twitter exchange with the people who have an official podcast um, with the Cavaliers. (laughs) (laughs) But their whole defense was like, This is what I was was talking about, the whole love-hate thing, so. They were, they were like, oh, yeah, it was really – it was JB was a terrible coach when uh, Dean Wade didn't play for seven weeks. And I'm like, yeah, he was. But, like, injuries suck. That's part of the game. But he could have literally played anyone else but Lamar Stevens. But who got the bulk of those minutes with the starters? Lamar freaking Stevens. Which brings me to just an overall management of JB, bigger staff. Why does he not play – and I'm not trying to if people take hopefully people don't take us the wrong way, but the leash for Okoro Levert is just a lot longer than it is for Osmond and Love. And I feel like no one is wanting to ask the question, but I think it's a very legitimate one. I mean I'm ask kind the of question, curious what, Eli, ask it. <laughs> I'm I would <laughs> if I could, but no, none of the Cavs beat writers want to do it. And none of the, uh, like none of the people who have a bigger influence want to say it, and it's just kind of mind-boggling to me that they don't, because the numbers that Chris obviously paint, helped paint too, just show that playing Osmond and Love was a still a positive to the team, but instead they're playing Lamar Stevens, who has a negative net rating with the great core four that the Cavs have assembled. Yeah, preach. So I'm going to I'm going to do a little bit of a deep dive here and I'm going to break down the Kevin Love season into basically three parts and 
Of course, you got to bear with me for a moment for a little hot Googling action. But uh, Wait, are you not going to ask me my take on this? You don't even know he what was happening, Tom. I feel like you've got to hear the rest of us so that we can uh, actually tell you what happened uh, after thawing out the Winter Soldier here, and then and then you can kind of tell us why we're wrong. So, you but yeah, I mean, if you want to jump you in know there, would look really good in a Cavs uniform right now. I don't I'm gonna know. Give you, I'm going to give you some hints. He is. Uh, he is 27 years old. He is averaging 17 points a game in 32 minutes on 47% shooting, 40% from the three-point line, um, five rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block per game. And he plays the small forward position. Anybody, anybody. Uh, Lebr- is. Who is it? He could be a Cavalier right now. One, Andrew Wiggins, a whole new world. All right, now we're talking. I'll take it. So, so you know what, Tom? You're ticking me off here because I was literally (laughs) going to quote an article whose title is "Kevin Love is not fitting in to your preconceived notions of Kevin Love fitting in." Okay, all right. From from 2015, from not Thomas Pestak, but Tom Pestak. I should let you go. No, no, I. You you go you feel free just shoot that into my veins I'm gonna go on mute. <laughs> so here we go. Let's talk about the sections of Kevin Love's season here, and why the Cavs or how the Cavs I don't know why let this situation spin comically and ridiculously out of control. So first part of the season we have the first 15 games. Uh, Kevin Love playing 21 minutes a game, 11 points, 7.4 rebounds, uh, 41% from three on six shots a game, 43% from the field, um, 86% from the line, uh, plus minus average of 6.5. Just killing it. Then he broke his hand um, and he was out several games. Um had a hard time playing through it, and that uh, that injury lingered. Um, definitely was not the same when he came back for about three games. Uh, definitely, I, I actually think it hurt him more around the basket than it did um, at the three-point line. But from basically his December um, was... 41% from the field, 38% from three, you know, plus 3.6 average, um, 9.5.7 assists. You know, his numbers dropped a little, uh, had some issues. Then the new year hit. The new year, he was atrocious. From 1.8 to 1.24, when the Cavs were in their malaise, uh, they had he shot 39% from the field, uh, 80, 35% from three, 89% from three throw. Oh, whoops, sorry, I'm adding these wrong. No wonder those numbers look bad. Hold on, let me do December again. Damn it. <laughs> sorry, guys, I knew those numbers were off. Okay, uh, 
basketball reference. You are a cruel mistress. Okay, one second. Okay, so those numbers I gave you for December were wrong. Um, December was, okay, yeah. No, I guess they were right. 35%. Uh, and then let's get to January. So those numbers were right for December, but January is a mess. One more second. I got to reload this stupid thing. This is the greatest hot Googling action ever. January. It's time for me to play Turtle yeah. Cowabunga Collection. Yeah, there you go. January, 28% from the field, 23% from three. He had a basically a stretch from – actually, it was worse than that. It was 30% from the field, 23% from three, negative uh, 2.6 game score. He had a stretch from – January 4th to January 14th, where he went one of eight, 13, 19, one for 19 across about six games from three. He literally, it was very obvious something was wrong with his hand. He was abysmal. It was affecting his whole game. When Kevin Love can't make shots, uh, he's not playable. He had a game where he went one for seven from the field. He had a game where he went three for six from the field. Clearly something was wrong with him. The Cavs shut him down for about three games. And then he did not play for from 126 to 213. Now, you know, that's about a three-week stretch there. Um, that's about the time you let a guy like that say, hey, you can work yourself back into the rotation. Well, the other thing that happened was Dean Wade was healthy. But the even bigger issue was that the day Kevin Love asked for a trade was literally the day that the Cavs signed Danny Green and committed rotation minutes with to him. He played 13 minutes in the game against Philly. Looked like he was playing on one freaking leg, and Kevin Love cannot scratch the rotation. Uh, I would have asked for a buyout, too. The Cavs did not trade him, which was imbecilic and idiotic. If they had any move to move him to get any kind of return on their investment, they should have done it. Uh, clearly, they thought Kevin Love would be the good soldier and play for them. What didn't happen was the Cavs realizing that this is the same Kevin Love that pouted two years earlier, the same Kevin Love that forced his way out of Minnesota, and the same Kevin Love, oh, also, that's one of the 10 most important guys in the history of the franchise. And if you are leaving him on the bench for Danny freaking green, you should be fired and drummed out on your ass. If you're Kobe Altman or JB Bickerstaff, because you have disrespected one of the men that brought the first championship in 54 freaking years to Cleveland. What the hell are you doing? Cavs? It's ridiculous. It's unconscionable. It's uh, I'm so mad. It's so ridiculous. Also, let's go. Let's go. Bring it. Yes. Also, my wife's favorite player. You are literally affecting my love life, Cavaliers. Like, what? What is going on here? Wow. Like, my wife won't watch Cavs games with me. We are like not even excited about the Cavs coming back to play tomorrow because there is such a pall over this organization about the way they just grossly mishandled this Kevin Love situation and are being utter imbeciles about the way that it's going. And 
I will have more to say when we come back. Welcome back to Cats of Podcast. Sorry, I got a little heated there. And uh, I channeled my inner Skip Bayless towards Kobe Altman and J.B. Bickerstaff and a little bit Dan Gilbert. But uh, Tom, Tom, reel me in here. Hold me back, buddy. Hold me back. <laughs> hey, I'm going to let you go at him. If, if this is affecting, uh, you know, after hours at the uh, at the Smith residence, I'm on your side, man. It, no, ain't, no, ain't, nothing, ain't nothing should be coming between, you know, a man and his missus. Just ask Nomad, right? We should ask him, <laughs> him and Mrs. Nomad because more beer, I, please. I can tell you guys are fired up. All I'll say is I thought they should have bought out Kevin Love three years ago and then <laughs> they stuck it out and he was fantastic last year. And, you know, when I was watching religiously at the early part of the season, he was just NBA jam fire half the time. He was launching threes from seven feet behind the line. It was creating that floor spacing, and he has the gravity that would open things up for the dribble drive penetration. So obviously his shot fell off a cliff, but it's not like we haven't had years of Kevin Love struggling. I mean, when he first got here, he struggled. So over time, you know, I think on par, he's been a net positive. He was a big part of the team that won the championship. He's been here a long time. He's been a big part of last season. So I'm I'm surprised that it went down this way. I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure what they're doing. It's like they're gonna make the playoffs. I don't. What are they are they too much worried about the short term over the long term? I'm with you guys. I'm flummoxed by why they clearly unlock and go to a higher gear when they get that streaky outside shooting from especially Chetty Osman and, and love, at least at the beginning of the season. I, I don't, you know, I don't know what Lamar Stevens is going to, how he's going to take you to another level, like in the playoffs, but it feels like some hot shooting from Kevin love could turn a game or two in your favor. So I read something where they were saying, well, maybe it was Terry Pluto saying they didn't think he could handle playoff defense or something like that. I'm thinking, he couldn't handle playoff defense in 2015 either. And they found a way like, I don't know. I, 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 I'm with you. It's strange. The whole thing is strange. The Danny he, green thing is strange. Has Danny green been able to guard a traffic cone since like 2017? No. And what he missed him here for, he missed last season with an ACL. Like if I'm Kevin love and they get an off the street free agent and he's playing that day, and I can't get in the game. Of course, I'm going to ask out. That's ridiculous. Yeah, like, I'm not, yeah, I'm not surprised he asked out given that. I mean, so I'm just and exactly what Chris said is 100 percent true. Kevin Love was killing it early in the year. Then he, they broke his he broke his hand. He played through it, which clearly he should not have done. Um the Cavs yet again mismanage an injury, much like they did with Larry Nance, uh, much like they did with Kevin Love two seasons ago with his calf. You know, the Cavs have been mismanaging injuries consistently for years, and it always bites them in the butt. I don't know why they were playing him through it. I mean, God forbid. Well, you... they, well they needed to because Dean Wade was injured for two months, and that goes to my reasoning about that's why Love deserved a second chance in the in the uh, rotation after he had that layoff. 
because he was a good soldier in basically eight minutes, you know, like a old, you know, veteran pitcher in the major leagues or whatever that doesn't really have it. You know, he was still able to eat minutes and they were able to tread water for a large part of the season after the when he start. couldn't shoot. And if he can shoot, he's so much better. But what he does do is give his gravity gives the offense room when you saw it when the Cavs were pitching a Coro and Stevens in the corners. It was the guys weren't wandering out of the key to guard those guys. They were playing 15 feet off them. It was ridiculous. So well, the other yeah, and, and here's here's a couple stat like by trading Kevin Love, you just ditched your uh, your well, it, basically your fourth best spot up shooter at one point one two points per possess points per possession, and you're gonna and replace, that's with all his lousy shooting. Exactly, year. that's with all in that's still in the seventh top top thirtieth uh, percent seventy one point two percentile. So all these people are like, we need shooting, we need shooting, we need shoot. Well, great, we just bought out one of our best shooters in spite of him sucking. I think his. I think I still think his three point shooting percentage is still better than Okoro's on the season. Well, and just here's the utterly idiotic thing about the whole thing is the Cavs supposedly got rid of him because, or part of the reason he wasn't seeing the floor was his inability to guard the pick and roll, and we all saw his issues chasing shooters out to the corner. But here is why he's going to fit in fabulously in Miami. Because Miami, he doesn't have to play the pick and roll. That Miami will hide him in the center of his zone, just of their zone, which their bench units play a ton of zone. He will play the center in the zone. You know, you got Bam and uh, their other guys pinching in from the other sides. He'll be fine in the middle. He'll rebound. He'll outlet. They and got HGH. Yeah, and he'll be a connector and a shooter and a guy who can score from the elbow. Uh, in the half court and they play this, they play a fairly slow offense. He's going to be fantastic in Miami. And I hope this blows up spectacularly in the Cavs face. And I've never rooted against the Cavs, but I hope he just kills it in Miami and makes the Cavs look like utter fools because they've approached this situation like other fools. Like Eli, why the hell if they were going to buy him out, Two weeks, a week later, did they not trade Kevin Love? Makes no sense. And then on top of that, just one more point on the Danny Green stuff. If Dean Wade is going to replace him, why would you not play Dean Wade in that game in the second half against the 76ers? <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, they, they completely like the, mismanaged that 76ers game. And I'll also tell you the other thing about that 76ers game. Do you remember how bad the Cavs started? I'll 100% guarantee that the Cavs were in a 19-point hole in the first quarter because they are all freaking shocked that Kevin Love just asked for a buyout before the game started. Like, after he found out Danny Green was coming in off the street to limp his way in. And don't tell me that Danny Green uh, is a guy that Kevin Love couldn't have played for Danny Green. Danny, They were running Danny Green and I, I don't Karis LeVert at the four. I don't buy that. I don't. I don't buy that they knew before the game. I think that's horseshit. I think that's Fedor doing a no. That's a hundred percent Nate Smith. Okay, uh, that I'm is just pure saying, conjecture on my part. I'm just saying. Like I, I think that it was no coincidence uh, we, that we heard about a buyout literally the game after they get curb stomped 
uh, again, like in their first, you know, uh, real, you know, pressurized game in a while. And, and then love doesn't see the court. Oh yeah. And as you were saying, like the Cavs were bum slaying for the month of January, like they were just beaten up on hobos. Like it was ridiculous. They did, had not played a decent, healthy team in over a month. So don't tell me about this big win streak the Cavs are on, were on and how they played a really good uh, January. They didn't. They just played a lot of crappy teams. And I don't trust this org's ability to evaluate itself or win on the court uh, when it matters. I think JB is a lousy coach and he is way too big of an ego and he let his ego in the way get in the way and alienated one of the 10 most important players in the history of the team and it's utterly ridiculous anyway I don't know I I have so much more to say about it but how do you, do you think he'll work in Miami Eli I think he will um you know I don't really like Bill Simmons but he probably put it best. He's like, why is Cleveland doing this? They're going to let Kevin Love go to Miami to go be zombie Kevin Love. He's going to be 50, 40, 90. And in game six in the first round, he's going to freaking make six corner threes against you. Like, it's just like you're giving him too much opportunity to come back and bite you. And I think Pluto reported that the Cavs did try to unload him um, at the deadline, but they weren't able to find a deal, which I think they probably weren't trying very hard to, to be honest. But um, I mean, they I mean, were literally a, a month before this, they were talking about re-signing Kevin Love in the offseason. Yeah. And then I think the one other interesting tidbit was um, it's reported that he gave up more than the pro-rated uh, minimum salary to get the buyout. So he definitely really wanted out. Um, it wasn't like anything financial. It was just he really wanted to get out of the situation. Well, yeah, and I don't blame him. And I think the other side of that is the Cavs probably wanted him to give up enough salary that they could sign a vet minimum guy and still be under the tax apron. That's my guess of what was going on there, but I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure we can probably, if we dig through Spotrack enough, figure out what happened, but I'm just, I don't understand what this team's doing. I feel like they're already making a lot of built-in excuses for JB Bickerstaff. Um, you know, that whole thing when they went through at the trade deadline, where they were talking about, you know, Kobe was talking about, well, there's nothing that's going to be able to replace the Cavs first playoff experience. Um, and cause a lot of these guys need to go through the playoffs for the first time, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, Evan Mobley needs to go through the playoffs through the first time. Dean Wade, uh, Darius Garland. Uh, I think Jared Allen's been in the playoffs with the Nets, but he was probably a rookie. Um, you know, I, I think that's all BS and you're building in excuses for jb bickerstaff I don't think it's bs it, it i don't think it's bs at all it's true that's the oh, reason I do. why you that's the reason why you keep love is the okay point. fair but i feel like you're literally making excuses three months in advance you know that that's my issue there. i guess two months in advance but that's my issue there um i don't know any anything else to add guys uh tell me why i'm wrong because like Nate, you're not going to root against the Cavs in the playoffs. That's one. Thing not not in the playoffs. <laughs> no, no way. 
No, I'm not rooting against the Cavs. What I am going to say is I will be rooting for Kevin Love to rub it in the Cavs' faces in Miami because I think they completely alienated a guy who's been a franchise cornerstone, and it's an utterly terrible way to run an organization. And it, and it's part and parcel to the commodification of labor in America and <laughs> emblematic of everything wrong with this country. How much money did Kevin Love make as a Cavalier? Uh, I want to say close to yeah, it's got to be a hundred million. No, it's right? probably a hundred and fifty million. It's more than that. He made, I think, he made twenty-two his first year. He signed a four-year, one forty, and then he gave up a million five of it. So yeah, um, I don't feel too bad for Kevin. Yeah, he made probably like one thirty, one forty in Cleveland. Oh, it's got to be more than that, doesn't it? It's got to be more. Uh-oh. Contracts were less. It's, it's like only no, twenty-seven it, million this year. No, only twenty-seven. No, I think he made almost two million dollars, or two hundred million dollars. Because you're right, you're right. Because he got this. He had the five-year deal. First. Yeah, he made almost two hundred fifty right. million. He's been here for guys. nine years, not yes. six. So yeah, so he's probably made two hundred million easily, over two hundred million. That'll keep him warm. It. <laughs> and his and his yeah, he's made wife. <laughs> he's made roughly two hundred and twenty million from the Cavs, as he said it when he signed his first extension. That is uh, generational wealth. Um, and for the son of a beach boy, or for the son, the nephew of a beach boy, that's saying something. Uh, anyway, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cavs Podcast. I've taken a Valium. Uh, Chris and Eli are uh, are holding me back, and uh, we're we're gonna talk trade deadline because it's been a minute since we talked, and you know we had just a few days before the uh, the All Star break, and uh, I want to see who you think were the winners and losers of the play of the trade deadline here, Eli. Besides the Cavs being huge losers and being one of two teams to not make a single deal, um, I actually think. The Raptors are big losers. Um, I feel like they're going to be in a real salary crunch this offseason, and it seemed like they were going to have to trade, you know, one of Trent Jr., Van Fleet, or OG and Anobi to kind of help clear that future financial standing, and they ended up doing the opposite and, z- uh, you know, zagging and buying on a player that helps doesn't really help them with their biggest problem which i think right now is spacing um, and that is jacob Podal. yep so they traded for a center and even though they probably need more three-point shooting or they need a point guard who will actually pass the ball um so it was a little surprising that's the route they went if i had to pick a winner man i feel like i'm gonna be honest i feel like the lakers crushed it on the trade deadline i just think it might be a little bit too little too late but only giving up one first round pick that's still top four protected getting off the westbrook headache um picking up guys like jared vanderbilt um who i really liked and hope the Cavs would have gone for mo bamba uh mo bamba i don't know about well that, it's you know. it's a good late i here's the thing about mo bamba if there's a guy that was made to play with lebron it's mo bamba you know, That's from true. an offensive standpoint, like a guy who can just catch lobs and hit open three pointers. 
Yeah, and I think the D'Angelo Russell aspect is whatever, but he's you know younger and probably listens to LeBron more than Westbrook does, so I guess that's better. Um, but I think, I mean, honestly, I think they had a good deal, and obviously, I think everyone's going, someone else is going to have to talk about the Suns Nets, but. For me, I think the Raptors are the biggest losers, and I think the Lakers were the biggest winners in terms of best value for the deals they made. What What about you, Chris? Who's your big winner? Is it the Suns? No, no, it, it's the Celtics uh, getting um, what's his face, Mascala, because I, I just watched them before the All Star break win with the almost they they took the Milwaukee Bucks to overtime with all their starters sitting and Mike Muscala was a menace. So getting him for, uh, some, they, they got him for like two future second round picks and Justin Jackson. Like who cares? Like Muscala no, looks like you. he's playable. You know what I mean? And oh, Muscala would have been so damn perfect for the Cavs. Like a backup center, especially without Kevin Love, a backup center who can hit threes. His analytics numbers have been just, crushing it in the last two years he's been one of the best bench players in the nba it's like how how did the rest of the league sleep on this guy it so, just pisses yeah. me off yeah well and then the losers i would say would be i'm gonna go with the mavericks uh and kyrie irving because not because of what kyrie irving brings to the floor to me it's because everybody knows he's gone next year like you just burned a 2029 first round pick and Spencer Dinwiddie, who's your second best playmaker last year in the playoffs for Kyrie Irving, who's already like, you don't even like everything I've read and seen is like, he's definitely not staying in Dallas. Like, he's going I, to Phoenix to play with KD is what everybody <laughs> keeps saying. Is that what they say? Cause I assume it, uh, I've heard it was Lakers. So well, I've heard, yeah, it's either one or the other. Yeah. So whatever the case is, he's probably gone and, the Mavericks just burned a first round pick. I get why the Mavericks would do it because they're desperate and they need to figure out something. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, unless they can re-sign him, then that's a colossal. I mean, like you know, even if they could re-sign him, does he even play like half the games? Like how many games did he play in the, with the Nets? You know, so and he's now he's getting older. Now he's getting to the point where injuries will start to happen, and he will actually have to take time off. So. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Dallas as the biggest L of the trade deadline. So so my biggest winner, I'm actually going to say the Nets, who have an incredibly – the Nets are going – I when I say they're going nowhere, I mean they're going nowhere in the standings. They're going to stay right where they're at, top four or five NBA team, because they have – First of all, people don't realize how well Macau Bridges had been playing for the six weeks before the Nets traded him uh, or traded for him for KD. Um, he was averaging, what, 23 points a game over that stretch. And actually, I think as Cavs fans, we don't realize it because he had a really bad game against the Cavs on the back end of a back-to-back. Um, but he's been killing it. That team is unbelievably switchy. They're all around the same size. They got rid of their two biggest locker room cancers in Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And they have a bunch of young, good players who 
are, will be able to get after it on defense. Not nearly as many egos. It, it, they're not going to fade. And they're going to be a, a problem for a lot of teams in the East. Uh, the losers, uh, I'm going to say... I don't want to say the Suns. I think KD will be fine, but I think long-term, it's a bad move for them. I, how many years does he have left? One or two years? you got to think another major injury is coming. Um, I, I would say, as you said, you know, Kyrie Irving, the biggest loser in the NBA. What an insufferable human being. And now that... Whoa, whoa, I didn't say all that. And now don't, don't attach me to your slander now here. Okay, I'm okay. I'm just talking about the basketball aspect. No, no, no. I, 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 okay. I apologize. I'm, I'm adding on. Not, not wanting to put words in your mouth. It's unsanitary. But that dude is <laughs> utterly insufferable. Um, he just, and now that he's been traded there, he's like these freaking anti-vax loons, the Robert F. Kennedys of the world, that are just saying about, oh, now that COVID's over, how right we were. And it's just like, no, you weren't right. You had an opinion that was different than everyone else, and you were an asshole about it. And we had to hear about it. And because you couldn't shut up and go along with the team for a year, you know, you hurt your team. And it's just part and parcel to the next BS thing you're going to do. You know, it's like I always say, how do you stop Kyrie Irving? Wait. You know, that's the answer to how to stop Kyrie Irving because he's going to stop himself. He's a he's an insufferable D-bag. Um, he's done one good thing in his life, and that's hit that shot for Cleveland. Um, yeah, he's a great player on the floor, but he will always leave you in the lurch. I, I hate the dude. He had uh, a crazy and, good game against the Spurs. Remember that game, though? Oh, 55. Yeah, the team. In overtime. Yeah, yeah. And, and I just don't – he's so – uh, he's just a guy I would never want to be on a team with. Like, just everything is about him. I, I loathe the dude. So, and obviously, the the big winner, aside from the Nets, second-round picks. We saw, what, like 30-some second-round picks get traded? Uh, that was insane. <laughs> so, I don't know. Hey, I just want to say I hated Kyrie long before it was cool. Hey, um, I, I get it. So, t- Tom, um, did you know that Kevin Durant was on the Suns now? I did see that. I okay. I did see that. Yeah. I saw Kyrie went wherever he went. Where did he go? Oh, Dallas, right? He went to Dallas yeah. with uh, – how's that going to work out? That's just not enough shots to go around for those guys. No, it'll work out because it's going to be a your-turn-my-turn turn situation, and – Kyrie can play without the ball as a scorer. He'll be yeah. fine. Um, the problem is, is like Chris said, long-term it's not going to work because he's going to walk. Um, they have a terrible locker room. Everybody hates Christian Wood. Um, you know, Jason Kidd has worn out his welcome everywhere he's been. I just feel like they they just have a lot of long-term problems that have been caused by just managing each offseason very poorly. And then making panic moves later because Mark Cuban lost all his money in crypto. Hell yes, that's mm-hmm. the best thing I've heard tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would say the other the other team that just baffles me is the Bulls. Like, what are the Bulls doing? The like, Bulls. Like, are they just gonna ride this this comet down into the into the ground, or are they gonna blow it up in the offseason? Like, what are the Bulls gonna do, Eli? 
I think they'll hold Jordan to under 200. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what they're doing. I think they have to trade Vucevic, though, because... Yeah. He no, fit. he's a free agent at the end of the year. You well, think they're going to sign and trade him? Well, they should have traded him for anything. Um, yeah. And then I don't know what they're going to do with Lonzo Ball. Like, that's another situation. I think he's going to end up being an in- insurance that's going to pay him out. I think he's going to end up. I don't think he's going to play again. Really? That's just my gut. He's always had a bad knee. Mm -hmm. He had a bad knee when he came in the league. Yep. But it's just interesting, man. Uh, I think the Bulls were really baffling because they should have made a move. They should have done something, um, but they didn't. And, you know, they're kind of stuck. It's just so weird because they're, they're definitely underperforming with all the talent they have in DeRozan and Levine. So, and, you know, I think they have decent role players like Pat Williams and, you know, it's DeSumo and uh, And Caruso. The the culture. Yeah. So uh, it's just Caruso. It's just just so weird that they're not good and they don't want to either take a swing to improve or kind of sell. Well, the Lonzo um, thing just killed them. They were good That's until Lon- they were good until Lonzo went down. And how long has he been gone now? He's been gone, I don't know, over a year now. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, here's another. Does Sorry, this mean ahead. the Knicks are now king in New York again? I don't think so. Oh, I yeah. think the Nets are going to be better. Oh, give me a break! Come on, man. I just said that. Are you Come listening on. to this podcast? Yeah, I'm listening. I think I think you're wildly overrating Michael Bridges. <laughs> Okay. Um, so, yeah, difference of opinion uh, there. What but... about the Clippers? Is Kawhi, has he ever played this year? Are they? I mean, on paper, they still have a super team, but it's never worked out. Are they... They, they just signed Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah. And that, that level of uh, desperation, huh? Yeah, it's not desperation. Exactly. They made a lot of moves. So they added Mason Plumlee. Um, who every time he's at the free throw line, I sing Edelweiss. Um, oh, he was like out of the league for. No, no, that's one of his two brothers. Oh, okay. He didn't get canceled. <laughs> his brother did. Yeah, uh, he had two. He has two brothers, and they were both okay. in the no, league. That was Myers Leonard. That you're, you're thinking, Meyer. My man, you're getting all your white guys confused. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, if they played on the Cavs, I'd never see him see the court. So oh oh man. Um, <laughs> because I don't watch the games. Oh, exactly. Oh, um, and then the other. By the way, I did watch a game, and AC was back in the in the booth. That was good. Hell it yeah. was. I like. I thought they, I thought they put him out. I thought they put him out to pasture, which kind of upset me because I feel like he should be able to do that till he decides he doesn't want to do that anymore. I I, I don't know if it was him or the team, but um, actually, I thought I would hate Brad Darby, and I kind of love him. Like he brings, he brings he a Daytona 500 on Sunday. Did you guys see that? No, did he? Really? His driver did. Yeah. yeah. Wow. He owns yes. a racing comp. Uh, uh, yeah, he owns a racing team, and his driver won the Daytona 500. Yeah, good oh, for him. Yeah. Well, and he's done a lot of NASCAR announcing, and it shows. He's very polished in the booth. Dude, all those like uh, Nance, Elo, Hot Rod, those guys were all into racing. Yeah. The Cavs in the nineties, they were all big into racing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Nance, Nance, Nance and... does IndyCar. Nance does IndyCar racing. 
Nance does really? IndyCar. I thought he did or, uh, uh, Formula it, One. Formula No, Nance Formula did one. NHRA for a long time. He does oh, Formula okay. One now. I think. Yeah. What the heck is okay. NHRA? That's like funny cars, oh, like drag racing. Yeah, drag okay. racing. Oh yeah, 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 that's right. He does drag racing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He does. Or he did racing. for years. I don't know if he still does. Yeah, those guys are all into racing. But but yeah, I think uh, he's fantastic in the booth. Uh, the Jordan guy Jordy? that yeah, the guy that's awful is um, Mike Fratello is like human Valium uh, with with uh, John Michael. It is like if you want to sue the baby to sleep, just put on the Cavs game. Oh, that's so wrong. It's it is bizarre. Like, Come on. He needs to be in a three man booth. He's not a two man booth guy. Yeah. I agree with that. No, I, I love Bizarre, but he needs to be with AC. He, he's like, someone that brings some energy. Exactly. Oh my God! Yeah. You want he to talk about hot guy. googling action? They literally had a game where he went through like while the game is going on and just started listing off the three point shooting numbers for every single player on the other team. Like as the game is happening, you're like, <laughs> and this guy he shoots thirty five percent. I'm like, what are you doing? Just yeah, back in his day, no one <laughs> took threes, so he didn't like, have to worry about it. You should not have a sundowner in the booth. That's all I'm saying. So all right, here's my hot take. I think three I think the analytics revolution has degraded the quality of the games. Okay. I want to hear that when we come back. All right, I'm coming in hot. I've had my green tea and I'm ready to go. So <laughs> as someone that was at the forefront of the NBA analytics movement, and by at the forefront, I mean watched other people do it when it was going on. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, And steal our work. Yeah, and steal our work from GotBuckets.com. I, I just think that the analytics revolution – is killing all pro sports, to be honest with you. I think it's actually hurt baseball more than the NBA. Um, and I'll just say that the quality, the the intrigue, the kind of must-watch nature that captured me from a young child all the way up into you know middle age has just been waning. Even you know year over year, it's still exciting. I still love the Cavs. I like to watch them uh, get hot. You know. Donovan's 71 was incredible, but there's just, there's not enough, in my opinion, variation in style among teams. You used to have, you know, a lot of teams trying to follow the model of, can we get that dominant big man? But that wasn't guaranteed success. And then it was like, uh, you know, eventually defense came to rule the day in the late 90s. And after Jordan left, the Spurs had a dynasty built around defense. Interestingly enough, they capped off that dynasty with one of the greatest offenses ever. And I just I just sort of feel like the the product overall has weakened. And there's too many threes. There's too many free throws. Um, I'm glad they're experimenting with the Elam ending. But... I honestly Oh, you know, I, I loathe the Elam ending. Well here's I the think, thing, right? Here's the thing. When you're a kid, you kinda have like ADD, right? You want you want constant entertainment. And that's how I was as a kid, right? Okay, you know, who's got the latest Nintendo game? I would be pacing around my living room like a nervous cheetah, watching like the ninety-four Cavs score eighty points with Tyrone Hill 
anchoring the defense at like six with, foot nine with and his it, it, uh, six point thirteen rebound line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, three blocks, and you know it, it was entertaining. Five fouls, and, and I, I I guarantee you, if I watched that and the team now, I'd be like, wow, everyone is slow, and there's no movement, and it it's really just like grinding to a halt. But I remember loving watching the games and even the Cavs during LeBron 1.0 it was kind of a defense defensively anchored team with one guy that could create his own offense except for that like six month stint where Sasha Pavlovich was kind of good but other than that it was one guy that could create offense and a team of guys that just defended well and rebounded and it felt like every free throw mattered so much LeBron would clank a free throw and the whole the whole arena would groan and then they would realize they groaned and they were like, oh, we shouldn't have groaned because LeBron's sensitive and now he might leave us for L.A. And there was just a, a palpable sense of urgency all the time. And now with the way the game is and the scoring and the load management and everything, it just it kind of just feels like it doesn't matter so much anymore. And I think we have the analytics revolution to thank for a lot of that and the player empowerment on steroids. I mean, there's always been player empowerment, but the last couple of years, it's, it's sort of out of control in my opinion. I, I'm going to totally disagree with you and say it's the corporatization of the NBA. <laughs> that is the corporatization <laughs> of the there's NBA. There is no corporatization. That's... There isn't even any ownership, mate. They're governors, for crying out loud. Oh, Lord Asians. No, I just think that so much of the NBA's problem is that, like we said before, it's, you know, don't fix the product on the court. It's everybody's an entity under themselves from a business standpoint. Everybody's trying to make the most money, you know, and and honestly, that's one way I actually kind of respect J.B. Bakerstaff in that he's an old school guy. And that, um, you know, it's about defense. It's about playing the right way. It's about, you know, believing in each other's success. You know, some of it's cornball, but at least, um, you know, he backs it up a little, even though he drives me crazy. But it's it's just there's so much is just about business and, you know, this load management stuff. And then next year, they're going to have the single elimination tournament, which is basically going to split the NBA up into like five mini seasons where you got preseason, the pre-tournament season, the tournament, the pre-playoffs, and then the playoffs. Like, it's just going to be super weird and disjointed. And and I see what you're saying a little bit. Like, it's not destination viewing anymore. Like, look, Jordan's in the garden. You know, let's all go watch that. It's It's not that anymore. It's, you know disposable sports i guess i don't I like that no i you you bridge the gap i think i'm, I'm with you <laughs> I, 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 I mean i really think part of it is the lack of rivalries oh i, I mean, whether, I'm with you whether, too. whether real or perceived i certainly felt like those guys didn't like each other and you go back and watch those nba on nbc like sunday games and the two-minute exposition with bob costas and you felt like I mean, it was a buildup and you were like, oh, yeah, you know, at, you know, Jordan versus the Pistons or whatever. I mean, you really the narrative was 
it would really capture you. And you didn't feel like these guys liked each other, and they would follow each other a lot harder back then. Well, they I, didn't, I would. They didn't sorry, try yeah. to sell. They didn't try to sell calls back. Yeah, then. the uh, the foul merchanting is Eli. You got some background noise going on there. You listen to Police Scanner there. Eli's watching CNBC. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying um, to figure out what the next short should be. No, the the foul like watching Philly play is unwatchable basketball. Like, would you disagree, Chris? Like, it's just the foul hunting is so egregiously bad. Oh, there's worse teams now. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh my God. Yeah, and there's despicable, always the Warriors. Despicable. Yeah, yeah horrible and, basketball. Yeah, like they that the thing that just pisses me off is. What was it? The be- was it the beginning of last season or the season before, where they basically stopped calling so many fouls and just kind of had a let them play mentality, um, and literally they stopped that movement. It was the most exciting basketball I'd watched in twenty years, and they stopped it because the players' association complained that they were changing the game and without the foul merchanting, these these guys that were really dominant before weren't dominant anymore, and. To me, that was like one of the worst moments that could have happened to the NBA. Like, rather than fix the product on the floor, they listen to the little walking mini corporations. And, yeah, I don't know. And this in-season tournament, I think, is going to be ridiculous. That's the whole thing is that that's the fix. I mean, just let the defense play a little is really just the fix that we need. I mean, I agree with Tom's take that the game has definitely homogenized. Everybody's running the same sets. Everybody's trying to get the same looks, blah, blah, blah. But I think if you just incorporate a little more defense into it, that that would shake things up. I mean, you just said that it was big the best time. basketball you've seen 20 years. Oh, that and would let's, shake things up big time. The yeah. other thing is they have got to, got to, got to get rid of the six-point play. Like this getting fouled on a three and then getting a flagrant for just running into a guy's foot and then getting another three – like these six point possessions are ridiculous. And then you spend five minutes reviewing the play. Like let's just, can we get rid of the flagrant rule entirely? Unless you're bleeding, it's not a flagrant. Like when a guy jumps forward five feet and then you get a flagrant foul for standing there, it just, it's egregious. So you know what would make basketball so much better overnight is if, they let the defense defend, and they made dunks worth three points. Ooh. Ooh. The three-point dunk. The three-point dunk. That's an interesting get, That's innovative. That's the innovative thinking that we need in this day. Oh, my God. Evan Mobley would be – the Cavs would be the best team in the association. They throw down a lot of dunks. They yeah. do. They lead the league in dunks, I believe, and, and Allen and Mobley are like – the two top guys, practically. Now that would probably have unintended consequences, and it's probably a horrible idea. But there's just, I don't, it's just not that fun. That for a lot of guys, I'll even say this about Mitchell. For a lot of guys, they're so skilled at shooting, and the defense just can't, you know, really threaten. That Breathe can, on them. Yeah, they can just take a, an easygoing screen, like at the top of the key. And I mean, it's it is a testament to the talent increase as well. I don't want to act like, you know, the 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 refs and the rule changes. That's the only thing. It's also 
that all these guys can shoot like out of their minds now. And guys like Iverson, who felt like generational talents, I don't even know if he'd be that good in, in today's NBA with his inability to hit outside shots consistently. But it's just not that fun to watch a guy pull up after nothing, just like, oh, you got a little bit of a high screen, you got a little bit of daylight, and you just fired away. And then when they miss, back in the day, guys took shots like that and they got benched and never saw the light of day again. There was like, there was almost a shame to it. Like, that wasn't a good shot. So this is kind of like a crime and, you know, we're all going to look at you with disapproving eyes and don't do that again. And now it's like, oh, that's a great shot because he'll make it, you know, one out of three times and that's good enough. So just keep jacking it up. I, I don't know if that's the problem so much. I don't have an issue with that. It's the fact that you're not allowed to guard anybody and you've got they've stopped enforcing the unnatural basketball action where you got guys like Trey who will come around a screen and then jump backwards into a guy, um, you know. I think the other oh, thing, the, the, the Hito Turkoglu special. Yeah. The other thing <laughs> that would help the game so much is if they got rid of the three point uh, free throw. Like if they, every free throw is worth two points um, except for an and one or like a tech one free throw, two points until the last two minutes of the each half. And so then if you get fouled on a three, no, you go shoot one free throw for two points. Like it would not be so three centric. You'd actually be able to guard guys at the three point line. And I think that's one of the biggest issues right now is you have to back up so far off guys on the three point line that it takes away driving. Like there's no incentive to drive and and move the ball and, and dunk. Like you said. Yeah, that's a great point. And you can even see it at the end of games when a team is up four. Watch how they play defense. It's so unnatural. They, they, they almost stand there like there's a penalty kick in soccer. They don't really do anything because they know they could get baited into an and one for a three. And so if there's, you know, 10 seconds left or something or five seconds left, the other team's got the ball down four. The coach is all is just telling them, whatever you do, don't foul. And they all just kind of stand there, and it's like, come on, just let them. Except for Karis LeVert, and then he falls. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I heard you guys going on about that on the last pod. You were really hot about that. (laughs) See, we shouldn't be punishing poor Karis for just playing the game. Exactly. Like we were all taught growing up. Karis was my pick for guy I was hoping would succeed the most this year. How's he doing? Is it pretty much what we expected? Good games, bad games? Oh, Underwhelming. Uh, you want to talk about uh, something we got to talk about when we come back from the break? Let's uh, <laughs> let's pit uh, uh, the Korean contingent. We'll come. We'll pit the North and the South against each other here, and <laughs> Man. we'll be right back. Welcome back to Cats Podcast. Nate Smith, Tom Pestek, Chris Francis, Eli Kim. Uh, Tom, what was the question you asked um, before the break? Which How's Karis doing? Which one of these two is representing North Korea in this exercise? <laughs> no, that's me. Okay. That's a Juche for life. Yeah. <laughs> Karis Levert agenda. All right. It's Nate, Nate, Nate informed me during the break that the Karis Levert for life uh, fan club is owned and operated by one Chris Francis. So my only question, Chris, is what is the annual um, fee to be a part of that club? 
What, what's my dues? <laughs> oh, nothing. I. It's a coalition you, of the willing, is what you're that's saying. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the only requirement. I'm in, buddy. The, I'm in. The only requirement is that you have to be a pure hooper, and you owe it with your with your anti-analytics <laughs> rant from the previous uh, from the previous section. Uh, that means you are certified hooper for life. I nailed, I nailed my interview. Is yeah, what you're saying. you did. Oh you man, did. I'm so excited. You did. I mean, also, I could have taken you your, take Kobe over LeBron. I I, I, I could have taken your rant, and I could have just put it in. Like, I don't know if you know the character on Twitter called Ball Don't Stop, uh, but he he literally is the vanguard. He he's the Kobe Stan vanguard for all the anti the anti analytics movement on Twitter. So I could have taken your rant and replaced it with his, and you would have told no difference. So that and and <laughs> obviously Karis fits in that category of pure hoopers. We don't care about stats; we just care about buckets. But also, the Cavs played better. Buckets. The Cavs the played snacks. better when he's on the court. Uh, it, the analytics do. Favor Karras, as Chris Francis notes, it's just his box score numbers are not always great. So he is very much a um, Rapham All Star, I would say. So regular that stands for regularized adjusted plus minus for the uninitiated. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Although even though his his Rapham numbers aren't that great, but <laughs> anyway, Eli, tell us why we're wrong. Again, I think Levert, just his skill set, his best skill is not as good as like Rubio's, Garland's, or Mitchell. And that's where I think if you play more in the playoffs, you're going to be playing more of DG, DM, and Rubio. So I think it's a little redundant in terms of skill set. Also, I know he has a positive net rating and all his numbers are positive. But everyone on the Cavs are positive because the team has like the number two net rating in the NBA. So you got to look at it relatively, relatively. And I don't think his is as high as like other people on the Cavs. So I think, is he a bad player? No, I'm not trying to argue that he's a bad player. But I do think that he presents long term issues if the Cavs are to re sign him for the long haul. Do you think they will? I think they have to at this point because they're not going to let him go and try to be an under the under the cap team in the off season. Um, if anyone's a big winner for the Cavs in terms of the how everything unfolded with Kevin Love, it's definitely Karis Levert because he's him and his agent are chomping at the bit to get a deal that'll keep the Cavs above the sat the above the cap. And let them operate as a team uh, below the tax apron. Below the tax apron. So there's a big, you know, thirty-five million dollar window there. Um, obviously, Levert is not going to get thirty-five million, but you know, when with Love and his cap hold and all these other complicating factors, the Cavs would have had a little bit more leverage on. Hey, you know, we're not going to go into the tax, so we can only pay you, you know, sixteen million because Kevin Love needs to make ten million with this extension. But now that's kind of thrown out the window, and it's like, Levert, you can make $25 million to make sure we're above the cap and we can use our uh, mid-level exception and still stay under the tax. So, Do you think they'll extend them in-season or they'll wait to the off-season? I think they'll wait 
Um, there's no reason to do it now. And if he has a great playoff, then they really paint themselves in a corner um, and have to pay him, you know, 20, 22 million plus probably. Uh, yeah, that there's... reminds me of uh, the Tristan Thompson. Remember that where they didn't pay him and then he actually played decent <laughs> and they had to pay him big money. And then that was a mistake. Well, that was a little different because he was a restricted free agent, but yeah. And he was clutch, but I still contend. Clutch the agency. Wasn't there actually, uh, wasn't there something where they, act? I mean, I thought that was pretty egregious where they could have signed him for a certain amount and they. Oh, the previous to, season and they yeah, didn't. Like, yeah. They, they could have extended it. They could have extended it. Rookie and, extension. And I think they ended up paying like seventy five million more or something like that. Like it was a lot. Yeah, Maybe it was like thirty five million more. The only thing that took the the sting out a little bit was remember how much Mozgov got. <laughs> I must break you, Mozgov. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I saw him the other day somewhere, and he is lo- living large. Let's just put it that way. He yeah. he is gorging himself on effigy sandwiches. Remember that commercial he did? With, yeah, uh, effigy sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry for the Boo Garden. Uh, the Boo Garden. <laughs> that was like John Crawley's best article yeah, ever, it, was it the was, explication was. of the 15-second commercial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that woman, like, she called him Mozgov. I love that he's wearing his he's wearing his own jersey backwards, so you know who he is. Yeah, that's right. And it was like too high on his neck. It was really yeah, it was it was weird. And he and he swipes away the sandwich, like get that weak stuff out of here. I'm hungry for some rugarden. <laughs> like how oh, that guy man. didn't become a villain in like an action movie is be- like even Boban Marjanovic was in John Wick too. Like how is how is uh, Mozgov not a not a villain in an action movie? Somewhere? Yeah, he really should be for sure. Fire your agent, Mozgov, if you're yeah. listening. Get <laughs> your agent, you got Your agent whose the... best booking was the Brewgarden strong The the Brew Garden that like, basically went under because of his shady owner, I believe. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, that was that was funny stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hungry for the Brew Garden. <laughs> And then they had the rap, I must break you balls, golf. And then, uh, what was it? Uh, the gr- one of the greatest promos ever. It was, uh, Timofey Mozgov winter hat giveaway at, at the queue. And, and he's like, and he rode in on a bear in the commercial. He's like, good bear. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So, my favorite all- promotional giveaway was the, um, the Drew Gooden, uh, Mr. Potato Head, that had the, <laughs> had, the had the duck bell. Um, nice. Good? Yeah, that was my all-time favorite. <laughs> I got a machine gun Kelly bobblehead the last uh, one of the last seasons in the in the before times before COVID. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they should have had they should have had a they should have had a crossover like Delonte West um, Nuggets thing with the Nuggets. <laughs> yeah, hot sauce in my bag. 
Unfortunately, Delonte is is not not doing well. Last I heard, again. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me he died, and I didn't know that. No, jeez. I mean, the way his voice sounded, I thought I was going to. No, I mean, you were close. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, getting back to Cavs a little bit, uh, how how do you think they're going to look coming out of the out of the break here, Chris? What do you, what are we going to see anything different? What what's what's the reality? What's the fear? What's the best case scenario? Um, I think they're going to be fine because they have Donovan Mitchell. I mean, let, let's just begin right there. We have Donovan Mitchell. We're gonna we're gonna make the playoffs, and we're gonna make some noise in the playoffs because he's a stud. The concern is if we go back to that Philly game, is JB is just JB not knowing what the hell to do and relying upon a whole bunch of people that don't know what to do. So, namely, uh, Isaac Okoro in the starting lineup. I mean, what kills me is, I don't know if you guys listen to the ESPN telecast, but Jeff Van Gundy was going off on on the Cavs in that game in the first quarter. He's just like, I don't know, like, JV, uh, Jeff Van Gundy was like, I don't know if Tower City's going to work. I don't know if they have enough shooting. I don't know if Isaac Okoro is going to work with uh, Tower City, you know. He was just going off about all of our non-shooters that we play on the court. And that's going to be a problem. You know, we already know what we already know how teams are going to defend the Cavs. They're not going to guard Mobley at the three-point line. They're not going to even bother guarding Okoro anytime, anywhere. So, uh, and and look at how quickly uh, JB abandoned that plan, unfortunately, to just go towards Danny, the corpse of Danny Green and Lamar Stevens was his solution to Okoro, benching Okoro. So, I mean, the problem is JB. I mean, I've, I've already reiterated the statistics. I've done articles on it. We're an underachieving team. We've got a stud roster that either due to youth or due to coaching, we are not, we, there's untapped potential there. So what we're going to find out, the worst case scenario is we flame out. Uh, the best case scenario to me is this is a team that could win a chip. This, that's how talented this team is. That's how much I believe in Donovan Mitchell. I think he could be the best player on a championship team. I think he could, you know, we just saw Jason Tatum last year uh, take a, a, stud, uh, a stud Boston squad to the finals. And, you know, uh, unfortunately they flamed out in the finals, but, you know, they, at least they got there and they, they were able to broke, break through. I think Mitchell is looking for a similar kind of breakthrough in his career. You know, he's at that age. He's looking to win. So to me is, uh, can we play some Chetty? Can we play some Dean Wade? Can we play some actual shooters when it comes down to it? That'll remain to be seen, but I don't know why anybody would have any confidence that's going to actually happen. Oof. Tough words. Yeah. <laughs> Eli? Uh, for me, I'm actually really interested because the Cavs schedule, I think they have like the fourth easiest remaining schedule according to uh, win percentage. But it actually starts pretty tough because they play the Nuggets tomorrow, and then they play the Hawks, who just fired Nate McMillan. So they'll probably be oh, they did. Well. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then they play the Raptors on Sunday, who they haven't beaten. And then they play the Celtics, and then they play the Celtics twice and the Heat twice, um, pretty consecutively. So yeah, with just um, a game against Detroit thrown in the middle correct. of those two Celtics games. Okay, so. This gets back to my biggest, uh, I just don't know, who are good coaches in the NBA? I feel like Eric Spolster's a good coach. Who else is a good coach? I thought Nick McMillan was a decent coach, but apparently not. 
So I, I think Nate I think McMillan is a decent coach. It's the problem is is Trey Young is a very hard player to coach, and he is. Uh, you want to talk about a guy who hasn't earned it and is a total freaking diva? It's Trey Young. Like he took a private plane and didn't tell anybody on the way back from a uh, playoff game. Like Bill, last year, Bill Urban Meyer won too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, think that's the issue. No, that's a great question, Tom. I think there's a lot of mid coaches in the NBA. I, I just think there's a lot of decent. They're they're okay coaches, but you know, a lot of nepotism hire, a lot of good old boys network hires, and you know, how many times do we actually see like a in, I guess, well, actually, I'll say this. I know who has the monopoly on good coaches, apparently. It's Boston. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think, um, I forget. God, I wish wish EG were here to just say. I know, this guy. (laughs) No, but you're right, though. I mean, Boston has had, I mean, Stevens was, he got too much. I mean, I think what drove EG crazy was. The amount of credit he got. The amount yeah. of credit he got before they ever won anything. And plus, he just, we just all got irritated with that Danny Ainge era where it was just all this like asset management and they would always flame out and it felt like they were always waiting for like the perfect move. And they they were mean, the ultimate drive 50 yards and punt team. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to put it. But, um, yeah, so yeah. how are the Cavs third in SRS, but not even close to the third best record? They're like the sixth or seventh best record in the NBA. <laughs> because they've had a load of late game meltdowns. Um, and yeah, JB, they, yourself. They, they have a positive net rating on the road with like a third, like I, I forget what they're like 13 and 18 record on the road. Oh, no so, way. Yeah, they they have the second best road net rating in the NBA, only behind Boston by like tenths of a point. But they're like five games under five hundred on the road. Yes. Yeah, they've laid some absolute eggs on the road. Well, I remember the Clippers won, or not the was it the Clippers or the Kings? One or both? Clippers. They were like really demoralizing early in the season. The Clippers won. Yeah, yeah they've had a lot of demoralizing Warriors. losses. Yeah, like they lost Warriors to the hospital Warriors. That oh, was yeah. Awful. Yeah. Oh, and the Jordan Poole uh, Warriors. Yeah. Yeah. 13 and 17. Sorry, on the road. Yeah. So I, I, w- I do kind of want to answer Tom's question. I think uh, Ty Lu has been fantastic this year uh, with the amount of guys they've had in and out of the lineup to be 33 and 28. Um, I think he's done a masterful job. I think. Uh, a guy I'm really impressed with the development of their players is uh, Indiana's Rick Carlisle. Um, uh, well, who Rick else? Carlisle always seemed to punch above his weight a little bit, but then yeah. he never he was never able to get it done. Other yeah. than the one year, I guess. I think Memphis uh, Taylor Jenkins is having a really nice year. You know, the guy that took over for JB Bickerstaff, um, and I think uh, Brendan Malone. Or is it Mike Malone? Brendan was his dad. For Denver is fantastic. Wasn't he, wait, wasn't he? Wasn't he an assistant with us? Yeah, he and his dad. Him. Yeah, and his dad was head coach of the Cavs, yeah. or an interim oh, right. head coach. Hmm. I don't know if this was already said, but obviously Spolstra is a stud. Oh yeah. yeah also, and... also shout out to uh, 
you know who I've come around on that I used to not think of much of at all, but now it's kind of obvious he's awesome, is Bud. Bud Budenholzer? Yeah. Yep. I was going to say. Well, he was always a great regular season coach, and then... Yeah, he just you know, panicked he always, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And and Nick Nurse, the... Toronto coach? But no, he has not been very good this year. Oh. He's gotten exposed as a fraud. Well, I think Scotty Barnes has killed that team too. Love well, it. like Thibodeau, I think is oh never never exposed never yeah never tibs. go never go full Tibbs, Tom. Yeah, I won't. I won't. <laughs> uh, yeah, I I I don't know who else. Eli, is there any coach that you think is really good? Who's the Kings coach this year? Mike Brown. Mike Are Brown. You- Bring back Mike Brown. Oh, I love Mike Brown. Oh, some smell the fart coaching. I love it. He's the biggest Mike Brown homer. Uh, he's doing it. He's doing it out. He's doing it big. He's got yeah. he's got the Kings at the third. He's do you, would you believe Sacramento's the third seed right now if the playoffs started today, Tom? I would not believe that. Because right. they've they're, been like they're the about Brown. to break. They've been like over- the They've been like the Browns of the NBA. Exactly. They, I don't think they've been the playoffs in like 20 years or something. Yeah, they have the longest playoff drought streak, I think, in pro sports. Yeah. Um, wow. After the Browns. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just got to yeah. bring Incredible. back Mike Brown for a third time, and then you can bring LeBron time. back for a third yeah. time. Yeah. There uh, we go. I love it. I love the symmetry there, Eli. Do you, you think the Lakers make the playoffs? No. If they do – It'll be because they win their play-in games. No, um, I, I think they'll definitely get to 10 because I don't think Oklahoma City actually wants to be in the playoffs. They'll find well, some reason to sit shy. But the problem in the West or the thing in the West is like 4 through 13 is like between like three games. So like anyone could finish. Uh, yeah. They could technically finish in like the top. They could finish as like. Well, are the Lakers like a Jekyll and Hyde team if Anthony Davis is healthy, or are they just well? And yeah, and they're he, a lot better. Yeah. With, yeah, they're a lot better with Anthony Davis. He just hardly played. Yeah, Anthony Davis doing the same thing he's done for the last five years, basically. Yeah, yeah. And there's a guy that was like an all-time talent that when it's all said and done, he's just gonna fade to the background of a lot of talented players. And Mike Tyson to fade into Bolivia. <laughs> that was a terrible Mike Tyson impersonation. How about how about that was pretty good? How about Durant? Like, is this is he going to put Phoenix over the top and and resurrect his legacy? Or or he has a chance. I, I think he has a chance. Which is why I think it won't happen. I think he will get hurt, and I just have a feeling he's going to get hurt. Yeah, that's the problem. I mean, he's what thirty three now, thirty four. Is and Devin has Booker had hurt? Huh? He Devin, has been hurt, yeah. Devin Booker still hurt? No, he just came back. Okay. Uh, Booker just came Booker just got healthy after KD's 6 weeks playing. out and uh, uh Kevin Durant's been hurt with a knee and he's about to come back, right? Yeah, he's about to they're about to come back for the Bucks game. Okay. Oh, okay, there you go. Yeah, How it's going to be. Bucks? Are they healthy as Middleton? Cuz Middleton Yeah, they're healthy. Uh, they healthy won 12 year, right? straight. Oh wow! And and Middleton, I don't know if he's back yet, but the Bucks he, have been killing it. He's playing off the bench still. Um, they haven't started him yet, but but I don't think guys, they need to. They still got Jeru Holiday. 
They do. Yep. They do. And Bobby old Frodo eyes, Bobby Portis is uh, <laughs> playing well. Didn't they just yes. pick up Crowder too? Yeah, they yep. did. Boss oh, man. That's a, that's a, that's a Net negative. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Brooke Lopez is playing really well this yeah, year. Yeah, Brooke Lopez is like in the running for defensive player of the year, which just drives me nuts because literally the Cavs have his identical twin brother and he stinks. <laughs> they're genetically equal, but they're totally different. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's maddening. It's the, old, it's the best proof of nature versus nurture. <laughs> nurture wins uh, there you go i love it <laughs> yeah it's well and that was uh harvey and horace grant too you remember that oh yeah yeah that's right i forgot about harvey grant <laughs> yeah harvey. that's he's jeremy grant's dad yeah he's jeremy grant's dad i didn't know that either yeah oh wow man now yeah. it just makes you look even worse for spending all that time on basketball reference earlier when you're just a <laughs> fountain of wisdom i know right you yeah know, exactly. you, should just, you should just turn off your well, i don't know how you're gonna turn off the computer turn off the targeting computer yeah exactly yeah just use the force man come on <laughs> oh okay so how many games do the Cavs have left 20 21 21 Okay, give me give me a prediction. How many how many wins? Thirteen and eight. Thirteen and eight, Chris. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Eli. Um, I want to go a little bit more pessimistic. I'll go eleven and ten. I'm I'm gonna for all my blustering, I'm gonna go fourteen and seven. Wow. Wow. <laughs> really? Although I, I don't know. They play Just the Celtics. <laughs> They play the Celtics and the Heat four times. Hey, wait, we own the Celtics. Let's get that straight. <laughs> and for now, they played well against the Heat, too. Yeah, but I don't have nearly as much confidence against Look, the Look, as long as I don't have to play the Raptors, we'll be fine. Oh. Exactly. We do exactly. play the Raptors twice, too. That's the thing. Man, how many times a year do they play the Raptors? Four? Four. Yeah. I feel like That's... we already played them four times. I feel <laughs> yeah. like I remember four <laughs> losses against them. Yeah. yeah. They, well, they... they play the Raptors this Sunday because I'm thinking about going. So Nice. Nice. Yeah, I just, you were, I just you did that to be the, different. You were at the game, Eli. <sighs> yeah, he was. Yeah. He was at the, the best regular season Cavs game well, maybe of all time. To be fair, I was also at the worst one ever of all time. And, uh, <laughs> they lost to the Warriors without any of their players. <laughs> with, well, with... you know what the worst regular season Cavs loss of all time was? Though, oh, yeah. Uh, of the Cavs the blog era, right? The Lakers one. With, yes. Uh, Chris, <laughs> Where Chris came had... in, Chris <laughs> Where came in laying it? down on the bench. <laughs> they no, finished that wasn't, the game with four was players. Robert, wasn't that Robert oh, no, it was Sacre? Robert, Robert, Robert Sacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I titled the, the recap the Robert Sacre Blues. <laughs> <laughs> and they finished the game with four players. They the Lakers finished the game did. with four players, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they had, oh and they they were on the second night of a back to back, and there was like a snowstorm. So they dressed seven their, guys. Their plane didn't even get in, and then they like drove right from the airport to the. I mean, everything about it was like the Cavs should have beat them by like a hundred, and they lost. Was that and, the game where Scott Pollard said, "Hey kids, do drugs." <laughs> no, but it might have been. It probably should have been. Yeah, we should just put it all. That was like Kyrie and Dion, right? Yes, yes, yeah. it was. And well, I think was, Scott uh, Pollard was, the... was on that team, though. 
That no, he was no. no Scott was Pollard was LeBron 1.0 era. Yeah. Oh, I don't okay. know if they had an enforcer they, on that team because remember they they, they oh signed, no they had, uh, they had Smarto Andrew Samuels Bynum. and Smarto Samuels. No, that's no. Did you know what I found out? Smarto Samuels is still freaking playing. Where? Uh, some. Let me look it up now. I gotta see. No, you're gonna take too long. So <laughs> they had they they may I don't know if they still had Andrew Bynum at that point, but that was the 2014 year with uh, the last year of uh, Byron Scott. <laughs> okay, he was playing for Libertadores de Querétaro, a Mexican basketball team. Wow, Smarto Samuels. So there you go. Professional Mexican basketball team, which I didn't even know was a thing, but I guess that makes sense. They play their home games at the Auditorio General Arteaga with a capacity of 4138 spectators. So there you go. Wait, is Samardo Samuels really skinny or is he did he kind of balloon back up? Because remember um, he like lost a bunch of weight before he got cut from the Cavs? I don't know. Um he, if he is on the, uh, I, I, I don't even know what he looks like. You know who I think was on you. that team though, was Christian Skyenga. Oh yeah. Oh God. One of the worst draft picks in Cavs history, which is saying a lot <laughs> because they literally have the worst draft pick in yeah. NBA history. Oh, yes. I don't, yeah, I don't even know. I can't even tell what smarter Samuels looks like. Alonzo oh, no. G. Was it he on that team too? Dion, Dion at four? Is that the or Tristan at four? Is that the second worst of all time? No. For the Cavs? Ca- no, the second worst is um oh god, who was it? Uh Luke. Oh yes, uh yes. Yeah, he was drafted like eight or Luke whatever. Jackson. Luke, Luke Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, what a terrible pick. And then Dewan yeah. Wagner. Uh, was well, that one terrible. was more. That was more injuries. Come on, represent Health. Alaska, Nate. Uh, Trajan Langdon. <laughs> oh wait, was he from Alaska? I thought the yeah. one Wagner was yeah. from Alaska. No, Trajan was from Alaska. Oh. So was Carlos oh. Boozer. Oh well. Oh man, you got a lot of man. terrible Americans coming out of Alaska. <laughs> Let's go, Duke. <laughs> hey, Trajan is. Uh, he's isn't he? I can't remember where he's at right now, but I think he's a GM. Is he? Yeah. Good for him. I thought he's working for the Cavs. Is he? No. He's uh he's the GM he's in New Cavs. Orleans. Oh, okay. Is Vitaly uh, uh Patapico still working for the Cavs? No, he I can't remember where he, I think he's in he's a Memphis assistant. Okay. There we go. Uh, I know he's in the league because I just saw him the other day. Ukraine train, baby. Ukraine train, he is Assistant coach on the Grizzlies. Yep. Actually, he could be. He's probably in the top 20 worst draft picks of all time for the Cavs. He played a while. He was a first-round pick, but he never did anything. But Skyenga was one of those guys. It's like, if you ever, you know, Wasn't take a... was he f- picked 30? Wasn't he, like, the last yeah. pick of the first round? Yeah, and it's because they didn't want to pay him, and the Cavs desperately needed more players in the pipeline, and they took a just a total schlub. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. They didn't want to pay him. They wanted to... Yeah, that was weird. Well, it was all salary tax. So anyway, um, I feel like this is getting a little long in the tooth. So maybe maybe we should wrap this up. Uh, what what are you playing on the sticks there, Tom? I hear you clicking in the background. 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Kawabunga Collection I'm, for the Nintendo Switch. I'm playing the original arcade game that I sunk Ooh. a lot of quarters into in my youth. That that my daughter and I finished last year on my main emulator. Oh, um, very nice. Yeah, uh, we, we finished that. And then the sequel is... Uh, turtles, through turtles, time. turtles through time. Yeah, turtles, turtles yeah. Oh man, that was my shit. Oh, That's man. on here too. That's on here too. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, man. Right now at Target, it's like ten bucks off. So I got this game for twenty nine ninety nine today. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I I highly. You know what? Can you play the original NBA Jam for the Switch? Because that is the best game I own on my uh, on my uh, I don't main, know. I, main I, emulator. I can, I can look. I think I have the. Switch like online, yeah. I think I have the Switch online. Speaking of Stockton and Malone in the All Star game, <laughs> they, man, Stockton looked rough on the sideline of the All Star. Like he just looked like Mel Gibson in Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, he looked he looked rough. So what's been going on in the world of Tom Pestek? You got any crazy stories? Any dad talk you want to lay on oh us? Oh my gosh, crazy stories dad talk. I didn't come prepared for this. <laughs> What, what are you doing, crazy, Tom? I've always got crazy stories. And you know what it is? It's the analytics ruining the podcast industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, well, um, so my son, well, I got a funny one. So my son, Joey, who was uh, the one after Rocket YOLO swag back <laughs> or whatever, that's Johnny. So my son after that, he is taken to providing you with false choices. So he'll oh. be like he'll be like he'll say to his siblings, like, Can I have, you know, whatever the candy or the video game controller, whatever he's like, Can I have it now? Answer yes or later. <laughs> <laughs> How old is so, he? He's four. So he sets things nice. up like so that ultimately he gets exactly what he wants. It's pretty funny. He's um, he's going into law, huh? He might. He might or he'll be like a computer hacker or something like that. He's Nah, he's that pretty, won't be a thing. The the chat AI chat bot GPT, yeah, is taking it all over. No, nah, I, I agree. Um they love if you guys remember Donkey Kong sixty four. The opening thing was the DK rap. If you guys remember nice. that, they, yeah. lo- they love that DK rap. And they all go around singing it. And they make Alexa play it all the time. So I feel like I've kind of won as a parent that that's what they want to listen to is the DK rap. Nice. My buddy Eric, uh, his when his kid was two, uh, it was when the Cavs commercial uh, for the Cavs gear was like, I did not come to play. I came to dominate. <laughs> dominate like and you just walk around the house doing dominate dominate all day long and then then he started calling me dominate <laughs> uncle, oh nice uncle dominate nice. very nice <laughs> so yeah the 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 things that kids latch on to is is very amusing so i'm everything exciting but i did rip out my gas furnace and replaced it with a chinese electrical amazon uh, gas or not gas, but um, electrical space heater furnace, and it looks amazing. So I hate to say it, but that was a great move on my part. Nice. Does it um, help you with your energy bills? Well, we never use the gas furnace because check this out. 
It costs like 40 bucks a month just to have a gas line. So even if you hardly use any gas at all, you're paying out the butt. And then you can't even game the system by disconnecting and reconnecting because they charge you these absorbent reconnect fees. So we just had a gas fireplace we never used for like three years. So I finally ripped it out. Oh, fireplace, not furnace. Yeah, fireplace. You said furnace. That that That's nope. a little different. <laughs> furnace, is, furnace is hanging on. Furnace is hanging on. <laughs> Uh, we have had a lot of wind, and so it ripped some shingles off, and now we got a leak in our roof. So I'm going to have to get oh, up man. on the roof and hopefully fix that myself because I'm notoriously cheap about hiring hiring <laughs> out help. Yeah, I remember the story of uh, your, your, your scaffolding uh, balcony just falling away from your house. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I haven't had any scares <laughs> like that lately. Yeah, my big adventure is, so I bought a house. Uh, Tom, Tom's visited it. Um, it's, it's, it's amazing house, <laughs> but the pro it's four years old. And the guy that bought it, uh, finished the basement himself. And of course you don't think about these things when you are, you know, buying a house and he finished the basement himself and he didn't put any insulation between the floors and there's no soundproofing. So literally like I can have a conversation with my daughter when she's like, when it's time to go to school, I'm like, Amelia, get up because her bedroom's right below mine. <laughs> and, oh, Nate. And so, so not, not only is it the calves that are in, in, <laughs> impeding your love life, it's the lack of insulation. It, it, it is absolutely true. It is. it, And of course, my daughter is waiting to go to bed now because her my older daughter her bedroom's below my office, which is where I'm podcasting from right now. So my big summer project is going to be soundproofing and insulation uh, because you can literally hear what's going on in every other room of the house. So it's the one big, big drawback. But other than that, I did OK. Yeah, so. it's, an am- it's an amazing house. Well, thank you. I, I wasn't fishing for that, but I appreciate it. Um, Eli, Chris, anything, any, any big stories? Uh funny happenings or if you just got something you want to pitch i got one you guys on the topic of uh ai my a buddy of mine sent this my way uh he ran my twitter handle through an ai i guess researcher or whatever and it spits out like kind of like a profile of my account and in it it says uh uh I was also out here. I'll quote it. What it says, nobody one six one eight was also mentioned in a podcast episode on CavsTheBlog.com, where they called out Nate Smith for saying it's time to end the junkyard dog award and called him a curmudgeon. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yep. Oh, we're doomed. (laughs) I got nailed. I just got nailed. Imagine if instead of Nate, we just had a chat bot hosting this pod. You know how much faster it could have looked up stats on basketball reference? Absolutely. And then it could have done the Stephen Hawking voice. (laughs) No one beats your Stephen Hawking voice. Oh, my God. That was one of the funniest pods ever. Okay, Eli, you got anything? That's hard to top. I'm not going to lie. It is. It's really hard to top. Um, one thing I've been getting back into um, is actually pickleball. Um, oh, nice. Into that. It's huge here. I don't. I honestly was a hater. I was like, dude, just play tennis or ping right. pong. Like, don't I, do I, something I'm still in between. a hater. 
Are you going to change my mind? But now I have been, I've been lured to the dark side. I am a huge pickleball oh. fan. Um, for a guy who doesn't really move, I use my elite uh, paddle skills and and wingspan probably. And, and, right? well, I have no wingspan. I got a negative reach. Uh, oh, really? be, yeah, I mean, I don't have like okay, Desmond. Bain. I don't have like T-Rex arms, but I'm not like the longest dude. <laughs> um, so, so who is the pickleball equivalent of Channing Fry? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't really follow any of the pro guys <laughs> at all. But I think pro pickleball is like kind of a scam personally because they play like really close to the net and it's not really fun it's like ping pong when you're standing on yeah it's like just play ping pong if you're gonna play that way but um yeah it's just a lot of fun i've been playing like at least once a week trying to play twice a week uh uh and i highly recommend i think it's i think the biggest allure of it is like it's pretty easy to pick up and then uh you can just play with get better quickly i mean it's you see your improvement very quickly and how you play nice have you heard of platform i have not so platform is literally the court is raised on a platform and I guess it's a thicker ball and it's more tacky. So it is actually even more like uh, ping pong where you can get a lot of spin on the ball, but it's, it's kind of heavy too. So it's kind of, kind of weird. Check out platform. It's, it's, it's interesting to watch. Uh, just check out a video, but sorry. That's yeah, all I had sure. to say. Um, anything else, Eli, anything to pitch? Other than pickleball? Oh, uh, one, one last thing. Uh, one of my favorite breweries is uh, going away. Platform. Um, Platform's going away? Yeah. So apparently I there was an that announcement today. that Anheuser-Busch bought them and then they're not operating them that great. So they're going to eventually dissolve and the brewery's going to be good. That sucks. Yeah, they so. they uh, Anheuser-Busch ruined them. InBev ruined them. That yep. sucks. So... <laughs> what are you playing, Tom? Who can guess it? <laughs> yeah, we can hear it now. Oh, it sounds familiar. Is that Mega Man? Nope. Is that um, Super Dodgeball? Closer. Oh, that's... Uh, no, that's Tecmo Bowl. Tecmo Bowl, yeah. Tecmo Bowl. Chris yeah. Woods. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs> the unmistakable hiking. <laughs> yeah, nice. Nice. So my, my pitch, uh, I'm going to listen to a band a ton called The Hold Steady. Uh, big indie rock band back in the late aughts, uh, but their stuff in the last five years uh, and Craig Finn, their front man, his solo stuff, he's put out about between the hold steady and his solo stuff, put about six albums out in the last five years. And they're all really, really good. Incredible songwriter, uh, really good musicianship, uh, kind of in the vein of uh, Springsteen and, and uh, a little Dylan esque, but uh just a very American troubadour style, uh, but very rock and roll. So check out Craig Finn and, uh, and the hold steady. Um, and that's all I got to pitch. Uh, and then tomorrow night coming up, who we got tomorrow? Uh, Raptors? No. Nuggets. Nuggets. Oh, Cavs versus Nuggets tomorrow. Uh, let's I hope got something that... to pitch, Nate. Okay. Well, yeah, go ahead. Okay. You guys ever heard of Plex? I have a home media server. Well, there's an open source alternative called Jellyfin. Okay. And I took an old Surface laptop that's really low power. It only pulls like 40 watts. And um, I installed 
Jellyfin server on it. It was super simple, like really simple. And I'm not a networking guy, so even I could figure it out. And um, now there's a Roku client, and both of my TVs are Roku TVs. So I've got Jellyfin on both TVs. I leave this Surface laptop on. It's like really low power. And I've started to go through and take all my DVDs and rip them um, and then put them on the server so that I can actually. Is the laptop the server or is it the transcoder? Both. It doesn't usually have to transcode because the client will play like up to 1080p, like H.264 type media, and that's all I okay. have. And, I mean, DVDs are, you know, 480p anyway, so I'm not ripping, like, Blu-rays or anything crazy. So it doesn't even have to transcode, um, but it could if it needed to. There's really no lag at all. It's super fast. The client is real snappy. Um, so, anyway, if you're ever interested in doing something like that, don't be afraid to try Jellyfin. The only thing I would say is, like, if you install the server on your main PC, then you're going to have to have it on, which it probably draws a lot more power than if you have some, um, like something like a surface is probably ideal unless you want to install it on like an old Linux server, like thin client kind of thing. So if you've got <laughs> one of those things laying around and you're like, yeah. yeah, this is old and like, there's no real purpose for it. Using nice. it as a media server and installing Jellyfin is a really good use case. I love it. Nice. Yeah, I mean, the only problem with those is it costs you 40 bucks a month just to have it on. That that, um, that that was making fun of you, Tom. That was just the old gas joke. Oh, right. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Yeah, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we got Cavs versus Nuggets tomorrow night, um, and uh, we'll see how the rest of the season shakes out. And uh, and hopefully my wife will watch Cavs games again with me and i'll always go okay the, the good news is is she still has a crush on donovan mitchell so I, as we both as we both do as we both do oh my gosh uh and as always you go needed to pause a little bit there she still has a uh, crush on donovan mitchell <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, she also likes as she calls him Raul Nito. <laughs> she calls, she calls him Nito. And of course, who who can resist Ricky Rubio? That's right. That's right. Anyway, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Said like, oh, we're not worried about anyone in the West. Oh yeah. Oh, and I did. Josh that. said that. Yeah. You didn't hear about them getting in a fight with Shannon Sharp. No, I, I heard about Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp getting in a fight. No, no, but no, but I know, but that's like the shtick. But I heard that I heard Bayless tweeted something that got misconstrued and then Sharp like went all in on. I, don't, I can't work with you. Anymore. Oh, it was about, it was the, about DeMar the DeMar Hamlin injury. Yeah, you're. Yeah. yeah, right, right. It was about the and, DeMar Hamlin injury. Yeah. And oh. so, but did they kiss and make up? Yeah, well, it seemed like, like million it was played a year. Yeah, so. yeah, that'll, that'll, ten million dollars a year to be that'll keep like, them warm. Be to be in behind the golden reruns of the Golden Girls in ratings. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Well, the other thing that Skip Bayless did was he said that uh, Shannon Sharp like didn't have a good career or something. 
What? He had a really good career. <laughs> he, he like said like... something about how like you wouldn't know anything about football and Shannon. Like, Hold on. What? He no was like way. The Hall There's of Fame. no way he, he said that. Like, isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Oh, he's like yeah. the best. He's one of the end. best tight ends ever. Yeah. 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 He's he's arguably you know there's Tony Gonzalez, him and Jason wow. Kelsey and oh, Mike Ditka. Wait a second. There's Rob Gronkowski. First of all. Yeah. Gronk. Gronk. Gronk was too inconsistent and hurt. I mean, how many rings does he have? <laughs> Count rings. the rings. <laughs> did he make the Did he make the field goal? I didn't see. No, he missed it. <laughs> oh, that's oh he missed rude. it. Oh, you actually watched? I didn't realize there was an actual field goal. Yeah, he kicked it at the Super Bowl at half. And he missed it. He? Was he even close? No, so they didn't. Was he closer than the Ohio State kicker at the end? Of the- <laughs> <laughs> oh, too soon, Tom. Too soon. Oh my God! Unbelievable. Ball drops, kick shanks. Good night. <laughs> Eli, what, did, what yeah, were you what, saying? No, so Skip Bayless, what he said to Shannon was, Tom Brady's still playing at a high level when you had to quit at 35. Oh, my Ooh. God. And then Shannon Sharp said, I won, I, at least I won a Super Bowl when, uh, when I was ready to hang it up. And then oh. basically Skip Bayless was like dick riding for Tom Brady. <laughs> and acting like he was Tom Brady, saying like, "Every time I say something, I'm in the hall. You make it seem like I was a bum, but I was in three Super Bowls." Mm-hmm. And Skip says, "Well, Tom Brady went to ten of them." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! Uh, Tom wow. Brady, like major backer behind Major League Pickleball. The, oh yeah, I heard about that. Isn't LeBron yeah, in that F, too? F him because he went in on the crypto shit too. <laughs> oh gosh! Yep. Yeah, Steph uh, Curry or Steph Curry for prison uh, as well. Uh, uh, Steph Curry Matt, and NIMBY. Matt, yeah, Matt that's Damon. right. That too. NIMBY. <laughs> NIMBY Steph Curry. What is NIMBY Steph Curry? I don't know that one. Not in my oh. backyard? No, yeah. I know what it means, but I don't he wrote, know what He wrote a letter to a politician, like, like basically arguing against like housing or something. Because it was a matter of his personal safety or something like that. It was like just they're building like sixty apartments and like yeah, twenty of them have to be affordable housing, and he doesn't want that. And well, he can just buy the apartment complex if he wants. Yeah, he's rich enough. Well, he lost all his money in crypto though. So I wish they. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) All right, I got. Well, you know, you know what Aisha Curry said about that, right? No. I, I've lost all respect. Sorry, this is absolutely rigged for money or ratings. I'm not sure which. I won't be silent. <laughs> silent. Just saw it live. Sorry. What? That's her, that's no, her that's, a, or that's her famous tweet from game six uh, with uh, the Cavs Warriors. <laughs> Do you have that memorized or did you? No, I looked. I pulled it up. Oh, man. Yeah. I thought we might have. I thought you might have repl- been replaced by Nate GPT. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, there's no way. Like, yeah, I don't know what it was. No, no, I, I can do the, that on the spur the, of the moment. I didn't hear this. But God Stephen forbid Hawking I voice, so God forbid no I look up some Kevin Love stats. There was no <laughs> tell. I didn't have the Hawking voice. <laughs> oh my lord. Anyway, Did you do the Aisha right. Curry impression and Stephen Hawking voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I am lost all respect. Sorry. <laughs> this is absolutely rigged for money. Or ratings. Not sure which. I won't be silent. Just saw it live. Sorry. 
you just, you just re- oh, have you seen have you seen the Joe Biden AI clips? Oh no! Oh my god, they are so fucking funny. Oh my god, people are going ham with that shit. It is hilarious. I did see a hilarious thing. I got a buddy, a work coworker of mine sent me like an AI wrote like like someone trained an AI on like ten thousand like Hallmark Christmas specials and then had it. Oh, that, plot for a that, oh, wow. those are fake, by the way, but they're still really funny. It was oh, so man. funny. <laughs> yeah, like, so yeah, funny. yeah, I've seen that one. You've seen the one for the uh, Olive Garden commercial, right? The AI no. Olive Garden commercial. No. Oh, that one's no. great. Oh. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to read it live. <laughs> I'm going to read it in the Stephen Hawking voice. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Here we go. Is it? <laughs> Okay, here we go. Uh, Island Garden Restaurant, interior, a group of friends laughs at a dinner table. A waitress comes to deliver what could be considered food. Waitress, (laughs) pasta nachos for you. We see the pasta nachos. They're warm and defeated. Friend one, (laughs) the menu is here. Waitress, lasagna wings with extra Italy. We see the lasagna wings. There's more Italy than necessary. Friend two, I shall eat Italian citizens. Waitress, unlimited stick. We see the unlimited stick. It is infinite. It is all. Friend three, leave without me. I'm home. Waitress, gluten classico from the kitchen. We see the gluten classico. We believe the waitress that it is from the kitchen. We have no reason not to believe. Friend four says nothing. Friend one, what is wrong, friend four? Friend four says nothing. Friend two, friend four, what is wrong? What is wrong, friend four? Friend four smiles wide. Her mouth is full of secret soup. Announcer, wet voice. Olive Garden, when you're here, you're here. All right, Nate. After this Kevin Love trade, you got to take your wife to Olive Garden for the infinite <laughs> stick and the secret soup in the mouth. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Infinite uh. stick. <clears throat> okay. We got to call it a night. I've actually been recording all that. So. Oh, okay. no, you haven't. Just, Please. No. It's yeah. bonus coverage. <laughs> bonus coverage. Oh Give me the infinite stick, Nate. <laughs> oh my god! Now I get it, Tom. I didn't get. I didn't, yeah. Uh, the problem yeah, is, exactly. I have no insulation in my house. So. Uh, okay. Uh, Go Cavs. Yes, that's right. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite bloggers.